1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320
2: KLWN. What's up, everybody? This is not Derek Johnson, but this is Lane Gillespie and this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek is still in Germany for the next couple of weeks. So he still left me with a bunch of stuff that we will play for you today. Uh, What's on tap for today? We're going to start things off with a draft profile as the NBA draft is this Thursday. We'll continue on with KU players who are uh, able to be drafted. Today we'll go with Christian Brown. We'll have a couple of instances. We'll have a best of RCST trivia marathon. And we got a pair of top tens for you here today. One that's themed towards today. Today is the summer solstice, the official first day of summer. And later on, we'll have a KU-themed top 10 that Derek did a little bit ago, but has never before been heard. So that's on tap for you today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Today, let's start things off with the NBA draft profile, Christian Brown, the Burlington, Kansas native, playing at Blue Valley Southwest High School before his days at KU, widely known a lot for his dunking ability. Uh, in a lot of his mixtape highlights, I mean, he was a guy that was a—he was a six foot five white dude, I guess I should say, which it did catch a lot of people's attention. How well he could actually dunk, but uh, he was amazing. Uh, he was—he uh, was pretty incredible, and he brought that athleticism to KU. Very athletic guy and a guard turned into a prolific shooter as well. Uh, first of all, let's go over his career at KU. Um, his freshman year, this was the twenty nineteen twenty twenty season. Not a bad year, but we also had a small sample size of his potential that year. That was the year that KU ended the season as the number one team in the land. But there was no postseason due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which KU probably, I mean, I'm still calling. They would have won the national title that year. But, uh, you know, you'll take it now with uh, Christian Brown being a national title. uh, He has a national title, I should say. I was trying to look for the right word. But he has a national title now in 2022. Uh, he did have one week that where he really he really stood out um around the big 12 and that was uh in late January uh his first I, I should say his coming out game his coming out party happened at home against Kansas State in the sunflower showdown where he had 20 points which was then a season high and then a career high as well and he made six three pointers but uh, his performance was overshadowed quite a bit because, uh, as we all know, that's when the uh, big fight happened uh, at Allen Fieldhouse with uh, Silvio De DeSosa picking up the chair and everything. Um, later on that week uh, at Oklahoma State, he capped off that week with 16 points and nine rebounds and almost first career double-double at that point. So, you know, he had some hit-and-miss spurts in his freshman year, but like I said, small sample size. And there was already a lot of talent to come around for KU with Devon Dotson, Yudoka Azabuki, and then Ochai Baji was also making some strides as well. That was his sophomore year. We're going to have his draft profile later on in the week. Uh, he finished averaging just over five points a game and just under three rebounds a game that year. But he did have a career-high 44% three-point shooting. So his his shooting did show out from time to time, and especially that Kansas State game like, that, like I mentioned when he hit six of them in a single game. In conference play, though, he did show out a little bit more than what his series averages actually show, over six points a game and over uh, just about three and a half rebounds a game against Big 12 opponents that year, and he finished on the Big 12 all-freshman team. So, you know, for a guy who came in as a pretty big prospect, you know, he had to ride the bench for most of the time. He did play in uh, 30 games, but only started five of them. So, you know, he Again, small sample size to go around, given the talent that that team had in 2020, which ultimately couldn't really see that talent go into a postseason because there was no postseason. Uh, one year later in the year where a lot of stuff was limited due to COVID, that was his coming out year. Uh, he came out of the gate immediately as an amazing scorer and finisher, becoming one of the best players. At that point, it looked like he was going to be one of the best in the Big 12 and quite possibly the best with the start that he had to the year. Second game of the season against St. John's. And that was the little tournament that happened in Florida uh, where they played Gonzaga, and then they played St. John's right after. He had a career-high 30 points. It was a then-career high, I should say. He's beat that since. But he had 30 points in his second game of the year, of his sophomore year, the year where he was told he's going to be a an everyday... I guess he was like more of a two or three guard at that point, probably a two, um, and he helped out. He showed out early, thirty points in the second game of the year, and that was KU's first win. They just lost, I think it was by twelve. I think it was like one hundred two to ninety against against Gonzaga in their first game, and then the the game after had a decent shooting game, but not quite as not quite as great as the St. John's game. But that was against Kentucky. That was a Champions Classic thing that they had. Uh, no fans uh to see it in person, but still broadcast for all to see. But he had 13 rebounds in that game, a then career high as well. So he's he showed out early. He kind of dipped down a little bit as the season went on. But I'm not gonna lie, a lot of a lot of people did for KU that year. That was a pretty down year for Kansas. Um, they were unranked in the middle of the season, which was the first time in about 11 years that they were unranked. Of course, they brought themselves back, worked their way to be a three seed, but only ultimately fell in the second round of the tournament. That year, his final stats finished off with almost 10 points a game. 9.7 is where it leaves on the dot, but his rebounding numbers almost doubled from a season ago, going from just under three to just over five rebounds a game. Shooting numbers, though, not quite as great as the year before. 38% total, 34% from behind the arc, and he did finish an all-Big 12 honorable mention. So he started off hot. It kind of fell off, which I guess you can you can kind of say law of averages kind of came in because you're not going to see a guy that will average 30 points a game in college basketball. Like It's almost impossible. Um, you're, you're, you're not going to see that. And He started off really well, but you know law of averages will eventually come in. This season, this past season, wow. <laughs> and there's a reason why he's in the NBA draft and decided to stay because he was that darn good. Continued where he left off from his sophomore year and only went up. And I want you to hear this stat. This stat is absolutely nuts. He only had five games where he did not have double-digit points. He did not score in double figures. That's 35 games where he did. 35 out of 40 games that he scored at least 10, which included five games where he scored at least 20. And he got a career high, again, against St. John's. But this past year, he had 31 points on the road his season low in points in uh, this season was six points, which is still not bad. It's uh, Yeah, you could ask for a little bit more, but when it comes to that being the worst game of the year, which the six points in a game happened twice that year, you'll take it. That's pretty darn good. Uh, the, the games where that happened were the Champions class against Michigan State, very first game of the year. So yeah, everybody was shaking off the rust at that point. And then in the Sweet 16 game against Providence as well, didn't show up quite as much as he would like to, but you know, thankfully it was a pretty close game through and through. KU okay, did eventually pull it out. And he racked up a lot of honors before before I list you the stats that he had to finish off the year. He racked up a lot of honors, and I want you to listen to this list. 2021, ESPN Events Invitational All Tournament Team. December sixth, Big Twelve Player of the Week. Two thousand twenty two Lute Olson Player of the Year midseason watch list candidate. Yeah possible player of the year midseason watch list candidate all big 12 second team big 12 all tournament team an NCAA tournament all Midwest region team what a huge climb from a season ago when you started off hot kind of fell down late and finished under 10 points a game in the season and racked up an all big 12 vulnerable mention which isn't a bad um it's not a bad recognition mind you but you know which one would you rather take All Big Twelve second team or All Big Twelve honorable mention. You take the second team. Not only that, but being the all tournament team of the Big Twelve tournament and being part of the NCAA tournament all Midwest region team. He finished seventh in the Big Twelve in scoring with over 14 points a game. So he started off his career. Just think about this. Goes from five points a game to nine to 14. It's a good, it's a it's a really good jump in a span of three seasons. It's a pretty good jump. He finished second in the Big 12 in scoring percentage. Yeah. He was efficient. He was an efficient scorer in the in the paint mostly, which is where he I mean, he did get a lot of his scoring from outside, but he had a pretty pretty decent amount in the paint as well. Great finisher, but he finished literally half a percent shy of 50% on the year. That's one out of two shots. 49.5% field goal percentage. Second best of the Big 12. He finished 5th in the Big 12 in rebounds with 6.5, 14th in assists with uh, almost 3, which not the best on the team in assists, but still top 15, That's and having more than one guy in the top 15 is pretty darn good. Uh, but anyway, uh, also looking at, at the NCAA tournament, he averaged 11 points a game and 7 rebounds a game as well. So he, he contributed. Let me just say this. He was a contributor through and through no matter what side of the ball he was on and in, and no matter in what facet because yeah he could shoot yeah he could finish but you 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 guys have seen enough basketball possibly as much as I have you're not gonna have an amazing game every game that's 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 almost impossible yeah, I mean you could ask the best basketball players of all time they didn't have great games in every single game of their career they had games that they would want to forget But in the games where it mattered the most, especially the last six in the season, he contributed just two and a half rebounds shy of averaging a double-double in the NCAA tournament. He did have a double-double in the national championship game, 12 points, 12 rebounds. And also one thing to note, in the Final Four game against Villanova, uh, he became the 65th player in program history to have at least 1,000 career points. And he had just a fiery... Per- I, I, I also kind of want to imagine that. I, I, I don't think it was this. I, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was either. But i like to imagine that that long fadeaway three, chucking it up at the end of the shot clock was that thousandth point, And that's when he said a few curse words saying it's over. But, you know, anyway. Speaking of that, he had such a fiery personality that ev- everybody knew it immediately. Everybody knew it out of the jump. A fiery personality where if he was on your team you love him. If he's not, you hate him, and you hope that he breaks something or something like that. Not quite that, but a lot of extreme fans would definitely feel that way. But that's also like that mentality also helped him win a national championship because he had the ability to get under people's skin and convert on offense and defense while doing that. Because not often you could say that about a whole lot of players. You could say it about quite a few. There are a lot in the NBA that we can really get under your skin and be And can really contribute. He's not. He's not a trash talker. Like in the middle of a play, it's always when he throws down a big dunk. I he had quite a few technical fouls because of that. Um, But um, that's usually what. He's not like a. Let me throw out a name here. Like a. Oh gosh. uh, Something. I don't know why. Why I forget his name. I. I mean. I could say Draymond Green, who. does talk a lot during a game. Patrick Beverly is the other guy that I was thinking about. Patrick Beverly uh, in the NBA. Terrific defender. Offense could be a lot better, but a terrific defender uh, in the NBA. And uh, he's a trash talker, and a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people don't like him. He's not dirty by any chance of the imagination, and neither is Christian. Um, But he does have that personality that a lot of people in the NBA are going to like. That fiery personality where he likes to get under people's skin. So some teams some teams will like it, some teams won't. It'll just depend on uh, on uh, who does and who doesn't. So looking at his NBA, um, his, uh, NBA draft uh, strengths and weaknesses, uh, I'll read a portion of it because there's like, a lot of long paragraphs that I can see. This is coming from nbadraft.net, which has a lot of scouting reports on him, which right now lists him, lists him in the mock draft as being the 38th overall pick, which is the 8th pick of the second round, um, which is not bad. Um, I mean, there are only 58 people who are going to get drafted this year. So being one of 58 is going to be absolutely um, uh, amazing. He has an NBA comparison. This is a name that I have not heard in a long time. And I'm sure if any of you have watched the NBA, you probably haven't heard this name either in a long time or ever. This guy was pretty decent. Chase Budinger. He played with the Pacers for a while and he was he was about a three guard. Um, Could finish wasn't the greatest finisher, but he could finish. But he was a pretty good shooter. And right now, that's what they have the NBA comparison with Christian Brown as. His strengths list him as a 6'7", 215, 2 guard, or possibly a 3 forward, shooting guard, small forward. Good size, strength, athletic ability for a wing prospect. Competent floor spacer with consistent mechanics and footwork when spotting up and takes smart shots within the offensive flow. Which is true. Uh, He did take a lot of smart shots. He made a lot of big shots because of that. He has a lot of he has enough strength and leaping skills to convert through contact with some success too. They say as a junior, his two-point field goal percentage was 54%, which is his career high. Because before that it was 41, then 45. Big jump to 54% shooting two pointers. So overall, that's that's pretty darn good. He's also, we call him very competitive with solid activity level, contributes on the glass. Fights to get back into position when beat off the bounce or working through screens and scraps through loose balls. So he's a scrappy guy, which is basically what I was talking about with his personality. He's also a scrappy guy. All he wants to do is win um, and win by, I wouldn't say any means necessary. Nothing like sweep the leg or anything like Karate Kid, but um, in a lot of means necessary when it comes to play, yeah, he, he, he wants to win. And if that means being scrappy, then be scrappy. Uh, He tied for the second most blocks on the team, which for a wing guy is absolutely phenomenal. I'm pretty sure the guy in first was, you know, David, um, David McCormick. But he blocked 33 shots as a junior, tied for the second most on the team, which is a very good number for a wing prospect. uh, They also say he improved his scoring exponentially every season. Added polish to the floor game each season. His experience and championship pedigree will certainly have coaches and organizations that will be endeared. To his skill set and intangibles, and one tangent that I want to go on before I list a little a few of his weaknesses, uh, is that we're later this week we're going to have some audio from Bill Self talking about Christian Brown and Ochai Baji. and that is one thing that he mentions is what our team's going to be looking for out of Christian and Ochai, and that is that experience and championship mindset that they have. A lot of teams are going to love that. His weakness, his weaknesses, say this, and these are these are true. I'm not I'm not just saying like this is one guy's opinion and they're really bad opinion. I think this I think these are true. And everybody's going to have a weakness in them. The biggest one is that they can contribute in a number of ways, but they don't stand out on any particular skill. Christian's one of those guys. He's more good than bad as a jump shooter, but he is inconsistent during his career, rarely having to take uh, difficult shots, and endured a slump or two from deep in each of his last two seasons after shooting or scorching 44% from three in limited minutes as a freshman. That, and he was only an okay free throw shooter. He was a career 74% free throw shooter and was 73% last year. I will honestly say, though, everybody was an okay free throw shooter for KU last season. Uh, I think the team average was about 77%, which is not good. Uh, it's not great. Uh, he lacks, it, this also says he lacks great length, only because his wingspan is only one inch higher than his height. Um, His, his height, Uh, Barefoot is six feet five and a half inches. He's six foot seven in shoes. His wingspan is six foot six and a half, technically, if you're doing the math. His, His standing reach is just a little over eight feet. So his length is there, but not there at the same time. It's mainly just the athletic ability that he has, the jumping ability that he has as well. So, I mean, all in all, he was a very valuable guy, but whether or not that translates in the NBA, we'll have to see. I think it can. Um, personally, in my opinion, just given how scrappy he is and how great of a shooter he can be. um, And uh, I I think he's a great athlete. I think he's an amazing athlete and one that he should definitely be looked at by a lot of teams. Uh, But likely he will go early to mid-second round. Uh, If he's undrafted, that wouldn't be too much of a shock, just given... um, It's mainly just given the needs that some teams have. This is Lane Gillespie with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. On the other end of this break, we'll have some best of RCST trivia for you on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock
0: Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports.
2: up at the four o'clock hour on a Tuesday, which means it's time for the top 10. So what's so interesting about today? Well, it's the first day of summer. So I had a lot of stuff that, you know, kind of came into my head of what idea I should do for the top 10. Well, the thing about the summer solstice is that the sun will be out for the longest out of every day of the year, which is why I came up with this list because it's going to feel like, man, that sun is going to be out forever or something like that until sunset, which is in about roughly two and a half, three hours from now. Uh, But it kind of made me think, you know, what else feels like takes forever. And so I came up with this uh, pretty fun list. So go ahead and cue the music. And there it is. So the top 10 things that feel like, man, this is taking forever. Even though in reality they don't, it just definitely feels like it. We're going to have some fun with this
1: one. Number
2: 10. Graduating from high school and college. I, I, it does take a long time, especially for those who want to be in college for longer than four years. Uh, more power to you. I was only a four-year guy, and I said, nah, I'm dipping. I'm out. See ya, suckers. Um, and definitely when you're in high school, it definitely feels like it could take forever. But four years do come and go. Um, and yeah, just, you do have that point in your life where you're in high school or college and you're like, man, even if you're having fun, you're just like, man, I'm just ready to graduate. Number nine. Speaking of which graduations, (laughs) my graduations, um, especially my high school one took a long time. Uh. Quite a few hours i went to a high school whose graduating classes around 300 people so you can imagine that was about a two two and a half hour long graduation something like that i once went to a graduation for one of my cousins a few years ago it was before i graduated high school and his graduating class had over 300 people it took about two and a half to three hours for that whole graduation it it, it was kind of torture because mainly You're there to uh, cheer on whoever you're there celebrating is whoever is graduating. You're there for them. But then you hear all these names that you don't even know. And you're just like, okay, can we just move on? Can we just move on to the end or whatever? Can we leave? But we can't leave. So that'd be disrespectful for the graduation. So graduations coming at number number nine. Number eight. Number eight on the list. Waiting in lines at amusement parks. Because let's face it, we want to go on the ride. But however, I only put this at number eight because i kind of like watching other people being on amusement rides especially if it's one that i'm going on for the very first time so i can get their reaction so i kind of know what to expect and you can also tell the people who are riding that ride for the first time especially if it's one of those twists and turn roller coasters or something like that if it's one of those rides you can tell they're there for the first time they're just scared and as much as they don't want to get on it, they they also just want to face their fear and just get it over with. So you get to see the reactions of some people, which I, I, I kind of like it. But at the end of the day, you're there to get on the ride. And especially if it's a long line, it takes a while. And you're just like, can we just get on now? Uh, I think the longest I've waited uh, for a ride in an amusement park was when I was at Silver Dollar City in Branson. I haven't been to like Disney World or Universal Resort or anything like that. and It was about an hour and a half, but that ride was also new. Number seven. <laughs> Number seven, a work shift. Very long work shift. We've all been there. We just want to get in, earn our money, and get out. I know a lot of you who are on your way home listening to this are thinking the same thing. Or even if you are at work towards the latter half of your shift, you're thinking, man, this is taking forever. You're just staring at the clock. I want to go home is basically what's going through a lot of people's minds right now.
1: Number six.
2: Sitting in the waiting room at a doctor's office. Let's face it you're there to see the doctor you're not in there to read the boring old magazines you're not you're just there to see the doctor and go and a lot of times uh, this has happened to me I don't know about you uh this happened to me but you know when I when I'm sitting in a waiting room you know there's that anticipate especially if you don't have to fill out any forms you've already said hey I have an appointment I want to see the doctor and you're like okay sit down the doctor will call on you and it feels like 10 minutes are two hours because you, you're sitting there in anticipation, waiting for your name to be called. You see a doctor come out, ready to call a name, but they don't call your name. So you're like, oh, darn it. Got to sit down. Got to wait a little bit longer to finally see the doctor and be the, uh, be there for what I'm there for. So that was number six on the top 10 things that feel like they take forever.
1: Number five.
2: Number five. Waiting in line for a late night at the fog. <laughs> Now, it's not quite as boring now because of all the festivities they have on the Allen Fieldhouse lawn, but when I was younger, and I'm young as it is anyway, I'm a young lad, but when I was a lot younger, um, I remember having to wait in line for Late Night at the Fog. Um, I didn't get there super early, but I knew of people who got there super early, and I did not envy them just because you're literally sitting in front of Allen Fieldhouse waiting for a while. Now, the result is great. The result is great. Uh, seeing late night at the fog is really fun. But uh, being in line for it feels like you're there forever. Number four. Number four. This especially goes to students. And as a reg- recent graduate at KU myself, getting into Allen Fieldhouse and waiting for the basketball game to begin. Students get in, and most students that get in are the ones that get in when the doors open. They open two hours before tip-off which is great, you know, get the students, um, a lot more recognition and, oh, what do they say? They get priority. They get priority. The students do. Um, and especially when there are a lot of camping groups and, uh, there's, there's usually a lot waiting on the non-camping group as well outside. Um, you know, there are going to be a lot to go in, but nothing really happens for over an hour. The band doesn't even play for like almost an hour and a half. So you're just sitting there watching people come in watching nobody on the court because nobody really goes onto the court until there's about an hour hour 15 left until the game starts you're just sitting there bored like can we just go ahead and start the game like the honestly the only productive things that you could do are possibly walk around do your little newspaper thing but that takes 10 minutes um like make the newspaper confetti and make the cone yeah that only takes like 10 minutes um other than that you're sitting there on your phone bored out of your mind
1: just ready for the game number three
2: number three ku football games when they're getting blown out which is 75 percent of the time i will say i've had to uh when i was working with the student radio station at ku i've had to run board for quite a uh, quite a few football games including the season where they went oh and nine in 2020. uh i had to endure very long and very bad football games um, They're not fun, especially if you're watching on TV. At that point, you want to watch, but you also don't. And if you're still at the stadium, you're just like, can, can this game just end already? Uh, and especially if you're working the game, that's also partially what you're thinking. is Can this game just end already?
1: Number two.
2: Number two. Traffic on I-470 in Kansas City during rush hour. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people. I mean, I get it why there's going to be a lot of traffic because there's a lot of people but it it sucks um last year last summer i was a play-by-play announcer for a small summer league in the area called the mid plains league and i lived in lawrence i still do right now i I lived in lawrence at the time and there were some days where i had to drive to belton missouri for games there and I, i i think the majority of the games that i called were in belton missouri um and with that It's about an hour drive from Lawrence, and you have to go on 470. And with the game starting at 7 o'clock, you want to get there not too early, but pretty decently early, about a couple hours early. Uh, You have to endure rush hour traffic on i470. I always had my Maps app open on my phone because it had the uh, traffic notifications. Like, if you looked on the highway ahead of you, there was, like, a really big, like, red line, which meant that traffic is backed up because I always wanted to anticipate where there was traffic, which it's a good tool uh, for those who anticipate, you know, there's probably going to be traffic at some point. It's a good tool. Just open up your maps app, see if there is any traffic, because especially if it's on a busy highway in a city, it's going to be reported uh, about the about the traffic. So, uh, that's a, it's a pretty good tip uh, for those who, you know, know that traffic is coming, but you don't know exactly when. Just open up your maps app and you'll know when. Number 1 This has been an ongoing meme and joke but it's also true Number 1 It's gotta be The line at the freaking DMV I will say When I got my learner's permit uh, I failed my first uh, written test I, I didn't like go through um, What was it? Traffic ed or driving ed uh, driver's ed that's what it's called. I didn't go through driver's ed, so I just had to take the written test, get my permit, and go. I failed the first test. I got the second one. But the first get uh, the first time, I got to the DMV at about 8 in the morning, 8 or 9 in the morning, about the time that they open. Well, I didn't get in to take the test until about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. <laughs> the line was that long. It was bad. It was terrible. Now there's appointments you can make ahead of time, thank goodness, but... Um, And I don't remember if there were the first time that I took the test. But in general, if you have to go to the DMV for something, just make an appointment. Don't go in and get in line. You're going to be there for hours. It's not going to be helpful. That was top 10 things that feel like they take forever in honor of the summer solstice because the sun feels like it's going to be out for forever with the sun being out the longest out of any day of the year. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is Lane Gillespie. You're listening to FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Got some more RCST trivia after this break.
0: Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click hometown deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Next up on our top 10 lists is... The top 10 best individual performances for KU in the non-conference regular season. So not NCAA tournament games, but the non-con portion of the regular season. Um, so you think of pre-conference play and then the Kentucky game, though. Uh, spoiler alert, with how the Kentucky game went, there will not be any individual performances from that one. But with that being said, let's get into the top 10. Number 10. baji against UTEP. Got a little revenge for JoJo White and company there. Uh, Ochagbaje with 23 points, went 9 of 12 shooting. Ultra efficient. Over 20 points in the sprint center. Five rebounds, three assists. KU killed UTEP. That is the number 10 best individual performance of the regular season non-con. Number nine. A lot of qualifiers there that I have to say. Uh, Number nine, David McCormick at St. John's. KU played in the Big East Challenge St. John's this past year. They went on the road, and David McCormick was great in that one, and that was kind of when, when Dave was going through some struggles as well, so it was a big-time performance. He had 15 points. He went five of eight shooting, so really good efficiency there. He also had 13 rebounds at St. John's. He looked like a dude in that one, which he obviously finished up his KU career doing just that. Number eight. Eighth on the list is DeWan Harris against Nevada. He had uh, 14 points in the game against Nevada. He went five of five shooting, didn't miss a shot, also had five assists, two rebounds, two steals. His O rating, which is like, you know, when he's on the court, the uh, the team's points per 100 possessions was 163. That is stupid good. You can go through the list of like best O rating performances by KU players this past season, and it's not just about him. It's about the other four guys in the court, but that is kind of the beauty of Dwan Harris. He, he makes others better, but... That's one of the highest numbers you'll see over the course of this season. In addition to those really good statistics, 14 on 5 of 5, 5 assists. Dewan Harris in at number 7 against Nevada. Number 7. Sorry, number 8. Our actual number 7 is Christian Brown. Christian Brown against Dayton. Now, it wasn't a game KU won, but Christian Brown was very good in the game had 17 points. He went 8 of 12 from the field, so nearly 70%. He also added 8 rebounds and 5 assists. He did a little bit of everything against the Flyers. KU just couldn't come away with the victory. Um, if if KU would have beaten Dayton and, and then assumedly won the championship game the next round, I'm assuming they would have given out a tournament MVP. I, I think they normally do for those uh, preseason or, or pre-conference, whatever you want to call them, uh, tournaments. I think Christian Brown might have been trending to the way of that he could have won that award. I mean, it just remains to be seen what would have happened in the championship game. Uh, but also notable in that game was the Christian Brown dunk where he, he uh, yelled and, you know, pointed at the guy and did the motion on your head. Got the technical, which in the moment you lose a one point game, you know, not great. Although, honestly, like in the very moment that it happened, it was awesome. And looking back, also awesome. Okay, you won the title. That didn't affect anything anyway, so who cares? But uh, yeah, Christian Brown against Dayton in a number seven. Number six, Mitch Lightfoot against George Mason. So if you remember that George Mason game, it was a last-second ad. The TCU game got pushed till later due to some COVID issues in the TCU program. KU added a game against George Mason, and they actually gave KU uh, a, a bit of a fight in that one. And uh, Dave had had kind of a, a a Struggle in that game, and it was really about a couple guys. That was one of the games Remy Martin missed. It was about Jalen Coleman lands, and it was about Mitch Lightfoot. Mitch Lightfoot went for 14 points on seven of seven shooting, didn't miss a shot with that ultra efficient right handed hook shot. Also added four rebounds. He was great on offense. Honestly, otherwise you would have been uh, down to the wire in that game against a uh, kind of plucky underdog there. Number five. Into the top five, Ochagbaje against Missouri. I wanted to get some representation for Missouri on the list. 21 points for Ochai. Goes 7 of 12. Solid efficiency. Four rebounds. Didn't really fill up the stat sheet. Uh, You could argue some of the other stat lines I've read off are maybe more impressive. It's still a really good game. The problem with the Missouri game, if you're picking someone out, is that because KU won by so much and they were up by so much for a majority of the game, They really divvied out the minutes in that one. And and you had a lot of guys, like, those are games that, like, you know, some of the guys we didn't see a ton of over the course of the season maybe played 10, 12, 15 minutes in the game. Like, Christian Brown had an unbelievable start to the game. But because they were up so much, you kind of get to coast to the finish line, he ended up with, like, 12 points. So, in theory, I would put Christian Brown's start to the game in the top five. But Ochai did it over the course of the game with 21 points. Like I said, one in representation for that giant win because it was obviously... Uh, The most notable of KU's non-conference wins, given the stakes of of the rivalry and everything. And that in at number five. Number four. Not quite as good as this Ocha performance, though, against Tarleton State. He had 25 points against Tarleton State, 11 of 16 from the field. He also added six rebounds and was just on a heater to begin the season for KU really through that first month or so. I mean, all season long, but did hit a a dip at one point. He was remarkable. 25 in that one against Tarleton State. Number three. I mentioned the George Mason game. Mitch Lightfoot had the great game. So did Jalen coleman Lands. That gets him on the list at number three. He had 20 points on nine shots. With five of seven from three. He had three assists, he had two rebounds, even had two blocks. Jalen coleman lands playing big defense there against George Mason. Again, 20 points on nine shots. In a game that was closer than you would have thought it was, big-time performance by JCL. Number two. Second-best individual performance for KU in the non-con regular season. Let's go back to the Baji Well, 29 points against Michigan State in the season opener in the Champions Classic. Goes 9 of 17 from the field. He actually started the game like 2 of 6, 2 of 7, and then he just couldn't miss seemingly in the second half and, and for the final moments of the uh, first half. 29, that was kind of the announcement that, you know, Otag Baji is going to be this All-American candidate, this National Player of the Year candidate, could lead this team to maybe a title, which he ended up doing. And Michigan State ended up being a solid team, made the second round of the tournament, almost beat Duke in the second round of the tournament. It was just a show for Otag Baji in that game. Number one. The only non-con regular season performance, though, that it beat was... Christian Brown at St. John's. Again, you have a power five opponent there. Brown went for 31 points. He went 10 of 16 from the field, so two more than Ochais on one less shot. Uh, The one thing that Christian also did, he added eight rebounds. He added four assists and three steals, And it was a road game. Michigan State, obviously, better than St. John's. So, you know, competition-wise, I don't know. Uh, Michigan State game, probably a little more impressive there. But also, season opener, St. John's game, not as much the case. Um, That was just a clinic for Christian Brown of transition play. And he had been playing well before then. But that was really the ultimate breakout game of what came to be this season for Christian Brown. That is the top 10 best individual performances for KU. In the non-con regular season. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Back to you guys. Thoughts or commercial. Whatever's going to happen next. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear plus they re- look really cool and they just released well not just but after the national championship they released a national championship shirt use the code rock chalk sports talk that's rock chalk sports talk all one word and you'll get 15 15 off your first order that's right code rock chalk sports talk all one word for 15 percent off with home field apparel on your first order <laughs>
2: About 20 past the five o'clock hour. This is Lane Gillespie with Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Derek is still in Germany, will be for the next couple of weeks. So he probably has not heard a bit, or at least in the last couple of days, about the College World Series. And that's what we're going to talk about real quick. So almost down to the final four teams of the College World Series. So one team left to be determined arkansas and auburn will play tonight to determine who will be a final team at a it's not technically called the final four but you can you can kind of make that uh distinction that that uh that it is a final four and uh what it is is basically it's double elimination and it's not it's not a best of three series like it was with the uh super regionals but um it's still a double elimination, kind of not quite round robin, but it's still a it's still a double elimination tournament. So uh right now, Oklahoma, Texas AM, and Ole Miss are in the final four. I, I'm just gonna call it the final four for now, uh, because it's it's not technically called the final four, but it's an NCAA tournament with four teams. That is not football, which is you know the college football playoffs, so it's just the last four teams. In the College World Series. College World Series semifinals, I guess I'll call it. The College World Series semifinals. But anyway, uh, coming into the College World Series, I, I and I touched on this yesterday in uh, Case of the Mondays, but I'm going to reiterate that and uh, talk about it a little bit more. Half of the teams were seeded in the College World Series. What that means is, so the top 16 teams in the NCAA tournament are seeded 1 through 16. Um and only one team gets that specific seed. So the number one team gets number one. The number sixteen overall seed gets number sixteen. Everyone else is unseated. So only four out of the eight teams in the College World Series were seated in the top sixteen. Now most of those teams are gone. Texas A and M is the only ranked team in the top sixteen that is still. Well, I guess Auburn is, too. They're facing against Arkansas. That is, if if Auburn wins, then it'll be back to half. It'll be two out of four um, being in the College World Series semifinals. But if Arkansas wins, then that moves them out. Only one seeded team in the College World Series. How, and how nuts is that? You know, baseball is probably the one sport that... The, and Derek and I talked about this quite a bit uh, a week ago when he was in the States. Um, we talked about the uh, the notion of baseball... When it comes to the tournament, it's I wouldn't say wacky given the games. They're they're not quite as, you know, crazy as March Madness, not quite as crazy as, you know, St. Peter's going to the Elite Eight or something like that. But it can be crazy to the notion of the six the number sixty four team can be a national champion. And the only way that that can happen is if they're just on a hot spell, if they're on a hot streak. And because the, the, I, I mentioned the notion in baseball that any team can defeat any other team on any given day in baseball. You can't see it that often in basketball. Yeah, you could see a team disrupt somebody's rhythm, but you could honestly argue that, that team was better overall Um, in some cases. But in baseball, it's just where you see it the most. You know, you see it in the MLB all the time because there are 162 games in a regular season. College baseball, you know, if there are any cancellations, it's roughly between 50 to 60 uh, in the regular season. 56 was the original number. Of course, with KU, one game got canceled and uh, not remade, so it ended up being 55. But it kind of just ties into the beauty of college baseball is the fact that it can be that crazy. It can be that wacky. The games just haven't shown it, though. Take a listen to this. We're just going to continue on with the theme of uh, finals game, Not quite finals games, but this can kind of count as it's called the College World Series. Of having no close games. I mean, out of every single result, the closest deficit has been four runs. And there have been a total of nine games overall in the College World Series. There will be a maximum of... 14 I believe no 17 maximum of 17 Um, but so far there have been nine games closest game was four runs and one of those is the one we most recently saw Texas A&M and Notre Dame play today A&M won five to one Notre Dame is eliminated but like the two team and and then the other uh, two ranked teams that are eliminated number two Stanford number six Texas which is interesting in and of itself. And then number one, Tennessee didn't even make it to the College World Series. So is this just the year of the upset when it comes to college sports? In my mind, I mean, it kind of it could be. We saw it a lot in basketball. We saw it a lot in football. you could see it a lot in baseball, too. I mean, we saw St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament make it all the way to the Elite Eight, the first 15 seed to ever do that football, you'll see a lot of upsets, but it was, it was pretty special. The amount of upsets that happened last year and in basketball in the regular season, there were, there was that one game where for the first time, I believe it was seven or eight of the top 10 teams that were ranked all lost on the same day. And KU was one of them, uh, when they lost to Baylor on the road. Um, this honestly could just be the year of the upset in college sports. And I think that is uh, quite a possibility. Um, so looking forward in the college world series, I also want to go ahead and give you now the odds or who is the favorites now to win the college world series. So when the college world series started, which was about, uh, five days ago, it was last Friday, Texas was the favorite to win it all. And then they were eliminated almost instantaneously going. Oh, and two, um, the favorite now is old miss who's unseated same goes for oklahoma and arkansas and those two teams are just right behind them well technically ark Arca- uh, not arkansas oklahoma is just right behind old miss when it comes to the numbers on who's the favorite and then arkansas texas a&m and auburn are kind of long shots um it's, it's only because Ole Miss has not lost a game yet in the NCAA tournament. How nuts is that? They have not lost a game in the NCAA tournament yet. And that even goes back to regionals. The Rebels secured a spot in the semifinals, and they're waiting for the Arkansas-Auburn game today. And uh, the real story for Ole Miss has been their pitching. They've allowed more... Hang on a second. I think I'm reading this wrong. Oh, they've only done it once. They've only allowed... <coughs> Sorry about that. They've only allowed more than five runs in a single game once. But they won that game 22-6. to So, basically, Ole Miss is the team to beat, only because they have not lost a single game. And then I will say this myself as the voice of the Kansas baseball team last year. I have seen Oklahoma in person. Oklahoma swept KU. And they are something special. I'm not going to lie. They are a darn good team. A couple of the games were close against KU. One of them went to 14 innings. KU ultimately lost, but that's because their closer pitched for about six innings and did one heck of a job. Um, They were a College World Series long shot, and now they are just a couple of games away from being in the College World Series finals. How nuts is that? You don't see that that often in college sport. I mean, maybe you saw it with North Carolina in college basketball. Other than that, you don't see that that often, and it's pretty it's pretty cool to see. And I, I also know that I think some KU fans are probably rooting for Oklahoma, just given that they're in the Big 12, even though they'll only be in the Big 12 for a couple more years. But uh, Oklahoma, there there's something special, you know, and there's a guy that's making a case for being the tournament MVP, and that's Peyton Graham. I saw him in person. like I, Like I mentioned, the dude's special. Um. So I, I. This is, but like I said, this is Ole Misses to lose. Um. There are still still some tough teams in there. Auburn, Texas A and M, Arkansas are still really darn good. It just comes down to have they lost a game already in the in the let alone the tournament, in the College World Series. Yes. Has Oklahoma lost a game in the College World Series? No. Has Ole Miss? No. They haven't lost a single game in the entire tournament that's just the thing and they defeated Arkansas 13 to five so they've 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 been on a tear big time big 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 time and they defeated Auburn who was ranked five to one so they they' it's mainly just been their defense and then they cashed it in on offense using that isn't that momentum and I will tell you I, I and we've seen it from experience momentum does a lot of crazy things when it comes to sports but it is pretty cool to see so like I said tonight Arkansas versus Auburn that is an elimination game winner plays old Miss for a game on Wednesday, loser is done. Ole Miss is ranked, or not Ole Miss, Auburn is ranked, Arkansas is not. And that honestly is going to be the story of this tournament, is the amount of seeded teams who make it all the way. And also what's really interesting to think about, since the turn of the century, every team that is still alive has not won a championship. Oklahoma, Texas AM, and Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, since the turn of the millennia, not won a championship. So we're, we're basically going to see what is, I wouldn't say a new champion because these teams have won national championships in the past, but it's going to be a bit different from like what we saw with the NBA finals, what we saw with college football. You could kind of say the same with college basketball because KU, it was their first title in 14 years, but Definitely not their first since the turn of the, of the uh, millennia. But we're going to see what will feel like a new champion when it comes to college baseball. This is Lane Gillespie on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. When we return, we will give you the Scott Chasen and Derek Johnson KU one-year player trap for our RCSE replay. Keep it here on KLWN. Depend on it.